Um, let me pray for us. Begun heaven, we acknowledge that in heaven above and on earth below, there's no God but you. And we, um, we're imploring, we're asking for your presence with us. We're asking for the Holy Spirit to move here. Um, we do want to hear from you. We want you to give us ears to hear. And Spirit, that gift comes from you. We're praying for it. I pray for this time. I pray that people would be free to encourage each other during this. It would bring honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Because I do know many of you, come in, come in. I know that um, in some respects, and this isn't false humility, some of you are better at hearing from God than I am, and so you could be given this talk. And I'm perfectly, I'm, I'm welcoming participation from anybody at these different points. In fact, I'm counting on it. So this is only slightly larger than a Memphis house church, so we can we can talk and. Um, Looks like we're going to go out between slides. Okay. Um, I was going to put the picture of one of our many missionary families, some of whom are in the room here, up for this slide. But nowadays, every communication I get from our people says that if you put this on the Internet, your throat will be slashed by some. Yeah. So I just found (laughs) the oldest picture, most ridiculous picture of a missionary. This is Donald Dickard and his great-grandfather. but it's to cue me to, it does look good, yeah. Uh, being a real missionary is exceedingly difficult, I think. And if there is one skill, I, I would hope that all people who are going to go do, particularly pioneer missions, missions in very difficult places, one skill above all others is the capacity to hear from God themselves, to have the ability to hear the Lord. Um, and I'm not one of... Uh, people who will say to you frequently, well, the Lord this morning told me this. Like, I know people like that, and I love people like that. I hate some people like that. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't mean it loosely. I don't, if you're here to learn whether you should marry person A or B from this talk, you're not going to get that answer. Um, what, what we're talking about is cultivating habits of um, persistently asking God to speak to us and being able to hear him ourselves. It's always important to do whatever we do spiritually in the context of community, but also when it comes down to it, like when we're on our knees, when we're trying to get into the throne room of God, it it is us. It's it's you. Okay. Um, So that's what what I'm hoping for, and I want to start is, is having the capacity to do this. I apologize to the people who are in the last session I participated in, but... I have seen many, many really bright young healthcare professionals who do not pursue God by reading the Bible or praying regularly. It's an unfortunately epidemic problem. We've got an amen. Good. All right. So this metaphor, biblical metaphor about having ears to hear or eyes to see or a heart to receive, they're all basically, I think, saying the same thing. Like, is your capacity there to hear from God? Understand what God is calling you to and and then respond to it. So Jesus says in all of the synoptic gospels multiple times, especially after he does an explanation typically of one of his parables, he'll say, if you have ears to hear, hear this. So it's a little bit of a mysterious thing to say, but it's fully in line with all of the Old Testament prophets. 
right? So I want to show you, I'm, I'm just going to hit the big guys. This is from Jeremiah. Announce this to the descendants of Jacob and proclaim it to, in Judah. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord. So this, this is a prophetic statement that we get. I'm going to show you Isaiah. I'm going to show you Ezekiel. Jesus, when he's saying, I think, how would you translate he who has ears, let him hear? What would be like a streets of Chicago way to say that? What's that? Shut up and listen. That's, you like that? Okay. Um, this is on the test, morons. <laughs> Something like that. Like, I mean this. I hope you're really paying attention to this. All right, and the prophets of God, whose job is to hear from the Lord and speak to the Lord's people, have repeatedly said, you're not. You don't have ears to hear. Like, your ears are blocked up. Your eyes are blinded. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that many of the miracles of Jesus are, they deal with him fixing people's ears. I'm doing a Bible study with some dental students, and we read yesterday morning that weird yeah, yesterday morning where Jesus licks his, gives a wet willy to a guy that sighs deeply and says, a fa 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 a fa 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 Be opened. Like, he's trying to open the guy's ears. He does open the guy's ears. Looses his tongue. All right, um, Ezekiel. Son of man, you are, the, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see but do not see, and ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. So the theme of rebellion is going to come back and forth of, of, of um, what's the right word? I don't want to say stupid because that's such a bad word, but um, inability to understand or comprehend. And the granddaddy of all of the Old Testament prophets is Isaiah. This is Jesus directly quoting Isaiah um, in the chapter of Matthew where so many of the parables are recited in, in the gospel in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Why is Donlin pounding us with this? Why is Donlin pounding us with this? Because it's on the test. It's on the test. Do you have ears? Well, for one reason, like there's this this principle in the Bible of proportion. If something gets repeated over and over again, it's important. Yeah. And at least for me, maybe not for you, the message is be careful because I am given to deafness. Like the human condition is given to having an inability to hear from the Lord and to see the truth of God. It's scary. So there are warnings in these passages about us being dull or being unresponsive. And sometimes our dullness and unresponsiveness is just because we're busy. But there is there's not a natural default, I think, to have our ears open to the Lord and to hear from Him. Okay, so... What I used to do here is think, oh, those passages are for these, those really bogus religious leaders I read about in the Old Testament, or the most horrific of villains in the Bible, the Pharisees. And I'm no Pharisee. <clears throat> okay. So I was trying to convince 
my kids that if I was a Pharisee, it would be hard for me not to... All right, so let me show you. Here's an example. How many of you have have meditated on or maybe even memorized Psalm 1? All right, yeah. Can you do it now? You don't have to. All right, she doesn't want to do it now. It's okay. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, I haven't memorized it, but I thought about it. And it's in really important passages of the Bible. Like, it's... Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, as many of you know, are like the introduction to all 150 psalms, and they're a way to understand so much of the whole book of the psalms. But this is what it says. It's really short. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they, he does, they do, prospers. Okay. So you're a Pharisee, and you believe this. You're a 21st century Christian in Louisville, Kentucky, and you believe this. And then this rabbi shows up and is hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors. Wouldn't, wouldn't you go, that dude ain't right. I'm going to go memorize Psalm 1 with him. Like, do you see how like their mind was in a place where they were unable to hear from Jesus and actually the foundation on which they were standing was Psalm 1? That's scary, isn't it? So it wasn't just the Pharisees who got this this correction from Jesus. This is from Mark 8. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? These are. This is at least uh, halfway through the ministry of Jesus when this, these events happened, it would appear from the Gospel of Mark. Like they've been with him for weeks or months or months at least, and he's still saying to them, like, you can't hear this. You're, you're missing the point. That's... Scary, isn't it? Um, the right-hand guy, Peter. Super familiar passage for most of us. Um, who do people say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, other prophets. Who do you say I am? Peter, you're the son of the Most High, the Messiah. Blessed are you. This has been revealed to you by God in heaven. It's a revelation from God to you. And then he begins to tell them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I know that I don't have more sensitive ears than the apostle Peter. Maybe you do. Like, there is a danger a real danger that we can miss God's what God is really saying. From blessed to you, Simon Bar Jonah, God Himself has revealed this to you too. Get behind me, Satan, in four verses. All right, and even some of you are thinking, well, he's talking about these events that happened before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came. And I am, so far. We're, we're going to really talk about the Holy Spirit. It's really important. You're right about that. But this happened after the Holy Spirit came. 
This is a conflict between Peter and Paul where they're confronting each other because Peter, the guy, the right-hand man, is not able to hear from God even after he's had visions, heavenly visions, about how you should and shouldn't deal with Gentile people, if you remember the story. So what I'm trying to persuade you of is like, there is no place for overconfidence in you thinking you know God's word or his truth. That the people of the ages past and really smarter people than you and more deeply religious people than you and people who had direct contact with Jesus and people who had apostolic ministries filled with the Holy Spirit still missed hearing God's voice sometimes. So there's no place for pride. We are given to foolishness and senselessness, if Jeremiah's right. We are rebellious, if Ezekiel's right. We have hearts that can quickly become calloused, if Isaiah's right. And we are directed sometimes by merely human concerns. That was the charge that Jesus put to Peter. So, all trying to lay a foundation of humility. We all have blinders. We all have ways that we were raised in the faith or that we've been taught to understand the Bible. We all have, it's so very difficult to dissect it out, but we've, we've amalgamated our political views and our economic views and our family background and our denominations, and they've all had influence on us, and it's hard even to see it sometimes and to understand it. And it can make it to where not only do you not hear God, you might hear the opposite of God in the case of Peter the Apostle. Have, has anyone like ever woken up one day and realized that everything they heard before was wrong? Or the things that they had taught, been taught by people they loved and, and seemingly were true or were actually incorrect you better not share that probably if it happened but there's all manner of hope we're about to get to the hopeful part like to me the greatest verse in the book of acts is and many of the priests became obedient to the faith that's so amazing like the people who condemned jesus and trapped him and voted against him and killed him and that there's even a pharisee party to argue with people in the in the early part of the New Testament is super great news. Like people who couldn't hear before got to the place where they could hear, but they didn't do it because they were smart or because they had been trained rightly. Like just there are real possibilities that we all have to internalize and think through all the time, not all the time, but enough that we might not really we might be putting our own assumptions and mistaken ideas into what we think we're hearing from God. If I beat that point in hard enough, I think I probably have. Are there questions? Because I had a question that came up I thought I would ask if I heard me say that, what I just said for the last ten minutes. So my question was, well, can you, how can, you, can you trust yourself at all? Can you trust anything that you've been taught? I haven't thought enough about what the answer is. What's the answer? No. Whisper? 
What did you say? What is true, what is honorable, what is good. We think about those things, about what is true. You can find your way to the truth. Yeah. You can. Can we find our way to the truth? I hope we can. Yeah. All right. I'm not trying to knock any particular political party or any of that stuff. Like, I, we could later, but, like, the kingdom of Jesus and the rule of God supersedes any political party, any political state, any economic system, any, anything. Like, it's all subsidiary to the kingdom of Jesus. To substitute any of those things instead of Jesus in your thinking about most things is basically idolatry. But our idols speak to us also. All right. You act so much that we went out. Do you have blinders? Do you have blind spots? Yeah? Most of us can point out... um, you know, those Methodists. <laughs> you know what their problem is. Oh, I forgot Todd's a Methodist. <laughs> yeah. We could see we could see other poor people's erroneous ways of thinking about these things. But we the point is to look at our own hearts. All right. So we have to we have to be humble, right? About our capacities to miss the truth, about our some of our preconceptions about the quickness with which our hearts can become calloused, all those things. And we have to admit, like, we're given to having hardness of hearing from God. All right, that was the bad news. So here's, there's lots of great news. God says, as far back as Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God wants to speak to people. He's he's clear about it over and over in the Bible. Even when his heart is broken at the rebellion of his people, he says, I sent you prophets over and over again. Like this, all day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people. He's still holding out his hand. He's still trying to speak to people who are rebellious. Like he wants to talk to us. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to be in a relationship of communication with him. This is the granddaddy statement that starts Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. These last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So God speaks, always wanted to speak, spoken to us through the prophets, spoken to us now in, uh, beyond all other ways through Jesus himself. And wants to talk to us. Jesus speaking, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. They too will listen to my voice. So if you are a disciple of Jesus, I imagine everyone in this room is. Like, he has a voice that you can recognize and he wants you to hear him. And he'll speak to you. There may be times where it doesn't seem like he's speaking to you. But he wants to speak to you, and he does speak to you, and you can learn to hear his voice. And you can learn to discriminate his voice from other voices.
and this is maybe seems out of place, but I really love the end of this. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Have a word in Christ Jesus. It's the Apostle Paul talking late in his life. All of us then who are mature should take a, such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Like he's willing, even late along in the course, if there's, this, there's something that's not clear, he's, he wants to show you. He wants to show us that and help us hear and understand that. Even greater news. What could be better than that? That God wants to speak to us, that the redeemed people of God have the capacity to hear Jesus' voice. What's greater than this? The greater news is that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. That we're Trinitarians. There is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coexisting as one, but also three somehow. And that not only are our sins forgiven when we put our faith in Jesus... He literally puts the Spirit of God inside of us. That'll open your ears. Promised, and then it happened at Pentecost. Uh, You remember the Acts chapter 1 or 2 reference? Like this is what the prophet Joel said in the final days. Young men will have dreams and young women will have visions and Men and women both will prophesy. We were incapable of obeying or having power over the actions of sin in our hearts until sin's power was broken by Jesus at the cross and his spirit was put inside of us that makes us operatively completely different. We don't have to rely on ourselves. We shouldn't. Because the spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received, Christian people, is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Just... Try to imagine it. Like the same way your brain is the only one that really knows what's going on in your head, there is a spirit of God that knows and thinks the thoughts of God, and you've been given that spirit. You have that spirit inside of you. It's inside of you. So that we can understand what God has freely given us. I don't even really have words to explain how it happens. I wonder if some of you might like venture, like, how does the Holy Spirit change us? How does the Holy Spirit change us? Transforms our thinking. Transforms our thinking. How did, like... Yes. But it's made new, renewed. So that we think differently. Yes. You like that? Yeah. Somebody else? Okay, I don't know what that means exactly. It's it's transcendent. Oh, it's transcendent, not a transaction? He, He transcends. 
So I had trouble hearing you. He reminds us and he teaches us of things we've learned in the past about Jesus. Brings it to our mind. Because according to the Gospel of John, he'll remind you about all things. He'll lead you in righteousness. Convicts us. Yes. He increases our sensitivity to those around us. He makes us love other people. Is that what you mean? You said it better. Increase our sensitivity to people around us. Yes. Makes us aware of trials and temptations. Brian liked that. Yeah. Yes. Gives us words to say. Yes. Truth. He saved us not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saves us through the washing of rebirth and renewal through the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit of an um, off-color story, but I had a very dramatic conversion, 17, 18 years old, and was living a very licentious life beforehand and a very dramatic conversion. And about a year or two later, a friend of mine, who's actually a couple years older than me, um, but who had been also, he was a much more decent person than I was, but he was still certainly under the control of sin. He converted through a college ministry, and he came to me, and he said to me, and I hope you won't blush, but he said, I know I'm not supposed to have sex with my girlfriend now, but, like, what can I do? Like, what's, how close to the line can I get? And I said, this was really wise for someone who was, like, 19 years old. Like, the Holy Spirit will convict you of what the right answer to that question is. Like, it's not my job to tell you that. Like, he... And he did. He did that with my friend Matt. Teaches us and instructs us. How else has the Holy Spirit worked in you? Are there no people from Oklahoma in here? Because Oklahomans have visions and dreams, and (laughs) then they tell you about your life. (laughs) Oh, that's the Enneagram people. Sorry. Holy Spirit. Yes? Uh, I guess like the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, all that stuff. Changes our character, yeah. The outpouring, the actual work of the Spirit in our lives. Yeah. I think uh, also you become like discontent with the things of this world. Alters your, your tastes, yes. Yeah. Makes us aware of the spiritual forces against us. Helps us when we pray. What else? Heals our memories. Heals our traumas. Reverses the curse in our lives, right? Like, and not just that, like reverses the curses of our fathers and mothers before us that are in our lives. Um, I'm so glad we're back together at this place, by the way. Like, that we're not, I'm not looking at you on a Zoom screen or whatever. Um, Ten years ago, I was walking through the stairwell of the larger building. We're in the 
but in the larger building, and two women walked up to me. I'm sorry if you've heard this story before, but they stopped me, and one of the, these girls said to me, like, this, this is for you. There's a little piece of paper wrapped up. And then they left, like they took off. Like I imagined they were angels, but they weren't angels. They were. And it was a message for me that started with, like, this is a message from the Lord for you. And then it said some things that were really super encouraging and helpful. And then it had a couple of Bible verses in it. And I don't want to share it with you because it was my little message that Jesus sent to me. Okay? I went home and I showed it to my wife. And I said, Jesus wrote me a letter. (laughs) Says he's pleased with me. And I put it in my Bible because now I have like 67 books in my Bible instead of 66. That's happened to me once in my life. Um, But not too long ago, I was praying with the elders of our house church, and one of the elders read a passage from Isaiah, and as he was reading it, I thought to myself, I'm ashamed to tell you this a little bit, like it was a messianic passage about the power of Jesus, and I asked the Lord in my praying with him, like, Lord, could that be true for me too? Could I be like you like that? in the way you act. Quietly. I didn't say that out loud. But one of the other elders stopped the prayer time and said, Rick, I feel like the Lord is saying to me to tell you that this passage is for you. Yeah. I said, (laughs) So, awesome. Goosebumps. Love it. But the truth is that this doesn't happen very often. And in a weird way, like, those sorts of communications are subject to mistake. Or or difficulty, at least, in verifying, if you know what I mean by that. So I think we should be really thrilled when that happens. And I think we should be open to being the vessel of that happening for other people. That the Spirit really can give people words of knowledge and words words of encouragement and... But fundamentally, where are we most importantly, most consistently, most reliably going to hear the Holy Spirit's voice? What was that? The Word. word. Yes. Was there another answer I missed? What was that TV show? Never mind. Um, All right. So, this is Harry's. There's Harry, and there's Harry, and... I am on blood thinners if I go down. Just want y'all to know that. <laughs> All right. So just just recently, he was telling me that like that the the men who come together in the Bible study. He's a second year medical student. They've begun to meet outside of the Bible study that I'm involved in, and they pray with each other. And they together have been by the Spirit's power, like super encouraging to each other, and like relationships have been mended and helped. I'm not exaggerating, am I? No. So. The Spirit works in community because the Spirit gives gifts to everybody. And He doesn't just speak through the Bible. He doesn't just speak through dreams and things. He, he can speak through community, but He most importantly speaks through the Bible. Okay, so I said this already. Um, we've had hundreds of medical students come through Memphis in the last 15 years, and it is a small minority of them that have a discipline of reading the Bible regularly. It is a small minority of them have a discipline of prayer. They pray when they're driving to work. Um, they might read 
a little bit of a passage. They might rely on someone else's efforts in a book or listening to someone on the radio. I'm going to talk to you about those things. Like, but they don't, they don't put themselves in the position where they can have a chance to hear God speak every day. Like that little note I got from God, I can have that experience every single day when I open the Bible. Okay, so I don't understand exactly how it works, but the Holy Spirit in the Bible and the Holy Spirit in me changes me. All right, my Memphis friends know that this slide is coming. Um, do you all? Have, is there anyone who knows doesn't know what this slide is about? If you don't know what it's about, as long as there's like four people, I'm going to explain it. Good. I want to explain it. Okay, so every little white line at the bottom here is, there are 1,189 of them because they are each chapters of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, Revelation 22, and the length of the white line as it goes down corresponds to the length of the chapter. So this is Psalm 119. And it looks like it's in the middle, but it's not. The actual mathematical middle is Psalm 117, which is the shortest. Yeah. Is that funny? Why are y'all laughing? Well, there was one time when we got candy for memorizing a chapter of the Bible, so that's the one I You picked a chapter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Memorize a verse of the Bible. Jesus wept. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. This is really not the message I'm pushing right now. <laughs> but thank you. All right. The way the colors arc back and forth in the different areas shows how the Holy Spirit has, has basically constructed the story of the Bible through human authorship. A, uh, a amazing thing where the Spirit of God works in the hearts of human beings over centuries in different cultures and melds together this story that is all connected. And it's amazing. And it's transformative. And it is, again, the main way that we can have our minds and our hearts influenced by the Holy Spirit. Can you read the Bible and not be influenced by the Spirit? Certainly. Was that the charge against the Pharisees? Yes. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. All right. It is sad. <laughs> the poor Bible. <laughs> it's Joel Olstein's Bible. <laughs> I'll repent for that later. <laughs> okay. how, how many of you still use a book Bible versus a, yeah. Okay, and how many are electronic, just electronic? Wow, okay. Why, do you, if you don't mind my asking, I didn't plan on this, but why, why are you sticking with a book? About, uh, just have it or notes. What was that? It's easier for me to annotate than when you back to the see what I was writing. Okay. So you write in it and yeah. Yes. Okay, we got that too. Yeah, that does happen sometimes. You you can do this thing where you silence your phone, I've heard, but no, you can't do that? Doesn't work. Okay. All right. To show others from the book rather than, okay. All right. Um, I told you there's 1,189 chapters. All you would have to read is 2.5 chapters a day to get through the whole Bible in a year. 
which would take for the average reader about 12 minutes. And if you fold your Bible over 23 times, it goes all the way to the end. <laughs> so this may be a really weak argument, but it's, it is where I start with people who are having trouble reading their Bible. Like, it just doesn't take as much time as you think. What are, the, what are the challenges you have with consistent Bible reading, if you don't mind sharing it, or had in the past? Now, I know, you, I know you had four-hour quiet time this morning, all of you, but like before when you used to have trouble, shifts. So inconsistent work and schedules, sleeping, waking, young moms. I think that's a huge deal when you're taking care of young children. Distractions. What else? Because you're a resident. Yeah. Yeah. But nowadays, residents don't think you get a nap every four hours and some graham crackers. It's okay. I'm just kidding. What? What? Thumbs up? Yeah. Okay. Other challenges? Don't feel like it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Sometimes people push back on me, and they say, why are you in such a hurry to just get through the whole thing? Like, why, why, why are you thinking those terms? Like, what's the virtue of reading through the whole Bible in a year? What would you answer, how would you answer that question if you were me? I like, to, I like to meditate on just a verse or a chapter. Or, so stop bugging me about reading the whole Bible. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. 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 It's a goal. It's a goal. It's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, again, like I, the point of the pretty picture, like to begin to understand the connections and the, the parts that maybe you didn't think of as being important. Um, yeah, I, I want to meditate, people will say sometimes. So I, obviously, all you have to do is, in my plan, you can do this for 12 minutes, and then you can meditate for 12 hours if you want to, right? Meditating is awesome. I'm, I'm not a, opposed to it. I'm just saying, like, if you're not getting through the whole of the Bible, like, you're you're going to be limited in your capacity to get things even out of small areas that you meditate. Not, it's, it's not zero. It's good. It's good. All right, so to Sarah's point, many of us go to the things that we like to read over and over again. They go to the, we go to the, the dessert table of spiritual growth, and we read Psalm 23 200 times a year or something. What are, what are, what's your own? Go ahead and disclose your, uh, your own go-tos, your comfort Bible. What's that? The Psalms? Philippians. <laughs> Okay, because so, somebody always says things like uh, Romans, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's your comfort food? <laughs> <laughs> Philippians is awesome. What do you like about it? The joy passages, and the, it's so practical. Yeah, very practical. It's convicting. Yeah. yeah. John chapter 10, 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Awesome. Yeah, really great. When I'm really needing comfort... I like to read about the measurements of the temple in Ezekiel's vision. 
or exactly how many bowls of gold the tribe of Issachar contributed to... Yeah, those are stirring, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. All right. But you do have to eat your vegetables. You, if you're going to get the whole swoop of it, if you're going to see the connections, like there's amazing stuff buried in these places that we don't necessarily go to in minor profits. What, what are the vegetables that you... I, I made a joke in the last last session that um, I asked a group of students if, how many of them had actually read the book of Habakkuk and many of them had not read the book of Habakkuk. Many of them didn't know how to say Habakkuk. Like what's what's the least what's the hardest thing to read you think? Job. Geology. Genealogy. Genealogy. What was that? Measurements. Yes. As the long cubit. Yes. Yeah. Should we still read them? We should. We should. If nothing else, we get practice in unpronounceable Hebrew names and <laughs> things like that. All right. Uh, the Williamsons are... Jessica's back there. I don't see John David. But this is a restaurant that's new to Memphis. Um, and our dear friends, the Williamsons, were, who live in South Carolina after being overseas came back to Memphis three nights ago or two nights ago and we went to this restaurant and it was so good. We stayed there for three and a half hours. We ate, we drank, we ate more, we drank more. Um, we, it was, we had a conversation for a long time. It was so great because there's people, there are some people who have studied and learned how to, like I had some gourmet tater tots. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Get with me later. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> um, the sides were amazing. The pairings were amazing. And, you know, the services, they come and they tell you, they make recommendations. Like, to sit down and have someone who studied and understood how to do meal preparation and how to bring it to you and make that, that experience great was really fabulous. Okay. So, um, some of you do that. Like, you get your Bible truth from people who have had extra special preparation and they're really good at it, and you rely on them to make up your meal for you. And I, I only put some of my favorites on here, but um, I listen to, I love the Bible Project. Like, do people with PhDs in Hebrew are really interesting to hear, and I love to hear things from them. All these teachers have been influential for me. I don't know who some. What are some of your favorites? Jen, who? Wilkin. John Wilkin. Jen, Jen Wilkin. I've heard of Jen Wilkin. Who else? Platt. David Platt. Platt. Great. Francis Chan. Who's that? Robbie Zacharias. Robbie Zacharias. We need to talk. Up. There's been some things that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. Okay. Do you have other favorite teachers? Podcasts, blogs. What's that? C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying for me and for you is it's great to get great teaching. It's great to have a great meal with your friends every now and then. But basically, spiritually speaking, everybody needs to be able to get in the kitchen every day and make a PB&J for themselves. Or ramen noodles. Or... More sophisticated. You could be more sophisticated. But you, we have to learn, especially if you're going to be on the edge of the Sahara Desert in Chad or you know, 
if you're going to be in a difficult place, like you've got to be able to hear from the Lord yourself and not rely on experts. Um, that's especially true when the bullets start flying, the spiritual bullets. So somebody said earlier that the Holy Spirit helps us know when we're having spiritual attacks. Who said that? Ashley said that? No. You're reading your Bible right now, aren't you? Way to go. Good for you. Just probably Zacharias. Yeah. You're going to blush when you read it. Yeah. Um, We have to have the capacity. You said earlier that you, the Holy Spirit teaches us when we're being attacked, or you said something like that. Yeah. 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 What was that? The arrows. The arrows. Okay. With which we protect ourselves with the show of faith, and we learn about that because we we memorized Ephesians six, or we meditated on it, or we read it in our twelve minutes a day, or whatever we did. Yeah. The, to me, the most there's so many things about the Bible that are self-authenticating that it's supernatural. But one of them is like when I've needed the Bible the most in the most difficult times and the most hard times, like it's spoken to me clearly in ways that passage. I really have read through the whole Bible many, many times, but there are times I've read something repeatedly that's not spoken to me. But when I need help, when I'm in a jam. The Bible will speak to me powerfully. It helps that I'm familiar with it by the grace of God. All right, so we need to wrap up, and I hope some of you will be willing to talk a little bit too before we close up. But this is not impressive information for you. You know this. We have to have a posture of humility before the Bible. That was largely what I said in the beginning, and... Like, there's no place for us thinking we're smarter than the Bible. Zero. Like, that that will short-circuit our capacity to be changed by the Bible. If we think, if we're sitting in judgment on the Bible rather than the Bible sitting in judgment on us, we might as well read comic books or something else. Like, consciously approaching the scriptures in humility is super important. And then petitioning God to teach us. So this is just straightforward Psalm 25. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me. Teach me twice. Like asking God. It doesn't take any time at all, right, to say, Lord, please speak to me and meet me now in your scriptures. I want you to teach me. I'm, I'm begging you, speak to me, Spirit, through the Bible right now. I'm distracted. I don't have as much time as I wanted, but I'm, please speak to me. Petition. And then, obedience is God's love language. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, he says it over and over. Like, he, the person, the woman, the man who listens to and obeys his word is just guaranteed an extra little jolt of help. A little bit more light the next time. We're all going to be disobedient. Like, we're all going to resist. But, like, again, a posture of, of uh, asking to be, by default, as much as possible, obedient to what we hear and learn as quickly as we can.
there is a principle. I, I know that Jesus says this in different Gospels, and it seems to be in different ways. But this is from Matthew 25. Like this person who got ten bags of gold, five bags of gold, excuse me, and went and turned it into ten bags. And then the, this two-bag person gets another two bags, and well done, good and faithful servant to both of them. But then this person who didn't take what they, the one bag they had and do anything with it, like blew it, they face condemnation, and then that one bag of gold goes to the guy with ten bags, the woman, whoever, the person, the disciple with ten bags. And I, I think the meaning of this is the degree to which you proceed by the power of the Holy Spirit in humility, in stuttering obedience, the degree that you proceed in obedience to God's word, you're going to get even more. Like he piles on insight and blessing and more obedience and fruitfulness to people who are willing to take him seriously, take his word seriously, hear him. Okay. That's not the planned end of the talk, but I think it's going to be the end of the talk. It's just to say that I think most people at some point in their decision-making, in their ministry, end up in a blind alley. And just, God has always been faithful to me to, like, turn me around and get me back into the right way. This is the last thing I want to say. Um, Sooner or later, everyone is going to suffer. And again, we said this earlier, like Christian people who are trying to be missionaries and living cross-culture, like you're going to suffer more. Like it's guaranteed. Like Jesus suffered. He was rejected. If you're obedient to him, you're going to suffer. You're going to be rejected. He was betrayed. There'll be betrayal. Like these things are, these are things that we should expect and understand. But when they happen, when the wound is there, uh, he... He searches out his sheep, and he binds up their wounds, and he brings them back in to the flock, and he speaks to us kindly. He speaks words of comfort to us. Um, We need that, at least in my experience, I've needed that more than anything else. Like, I love it when people try to comfort me, but the shepherd speaking to me and, and knowing that he is binding up my wounds is irreplaceable. So. All right. How can I stir you to speak? Um, what I, I pray the Holy Spirit would be working in this room. Like, have, has anyone been sitting on a thought that they should have spoken to us already for our good? Or a thought about something I said? Or a disagreement? Or... Yes. We don't understand the power and the role of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there's also a risk we could like push him off and just into like certain expressions that are familiar to our own traditions or including gifts. Yes. Yes. I have to say, one of the few times I've had really felt my 
got an answer from God because I actually did a fast. And I don't think we talk about that a whole lot. Hear that God is something that's to really dedicate dedicating yourself to God is, is to do that sacrificial fast. So fasting can make it more possible for us to hear from God. Yes. Amen, amen, and amen again. Yes. of prayer and uh, an overcoming prayer, a wrestling prayer with an expectation of God to hear us and answer us and maybe dislocate our hip. Yes, sir. Spiritual earplugs. Yeah. Is that really true? If I hum a note, the right, the will that happen? It is a good story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, though. for 
what were the three words? His will, his emotions, emotions. intellect. Intellect. Yeah. So, um, and Jesus had the perfect balance of all three of those things with his relationship with the Father. And he said, in all the people that he's counseled and in his churches and things like that, you see that over and over again. Um, he had a major concussion uh, several years back, and the way that the Spirit spoke to him kind of switched. So for a long time, he thought the Spirit wasn't talking to him anymore until he had to learn, oh, now he's communicating to me through, his emo- through my emotions more than intellect. That being said, he said, you shouldn't rely heavily on one of those aspects and just be like, oh, he speaks to me only through intellect. But you should challenge yourself to grow in the other areas that are harder. That the spirit speaks also through your emotions and. Like one way to grow in that is having like your spouse um, or other family members who hear the spirit differently than you. And I just so learning how the spirit speaks to me and looking at friends and things like that. I thought that was pretty. Yeah, it's great. Yes. Many years ago, the story of Mary Martha. You know, we get wrapped up in this world and try to do it. You know, when your Lord and Savior says only one thing is needed, you know, and that's your subject today, is to listen. Yeah. True. Anyone want the final word? I didn't hear everything, but um, uh, learning to hear day by day in the smaller things, not looking for the big events necessarily. But when the big events come, you know your voice. Yes, yes. So we build our house a brick at a time. We, we ask him to give us our daily bread for one day, lead us. Yep. Thank you. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Appreciate your participation. Thank you very much.